I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Lana Buchanan. She's the VP of Marketing for Beyond Beer at Anheuser-Busch. With her time at Anheuser-Busch, Lana has overseen the launch of Social Club Hard Seltzer and launched hashtag Together Women Rise program as part of Bon Viv's partnership with Priyanka Chopra Jonas, which became the number one influencer partnership at Anheuser-Busch. Prior to AB, Lana managed the European portfolio for Campari America, including Aperol, Campari, and Grand Marnier. And prior to that, she worked at Bacardi USA and Diageo in Eastern Europe. On the show today, we talk about, frankly, the quite large portfolio of products that she has, ranging from spirits to non-alcoholic beverages, how she manages a portfolio like that, and the types of marketing that's working given the changing dynamics of the world with this global pandemic that we're all wrestling with. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lana Buchanan. Lana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, I know you've got a new a new dog, a new puppy, if you will. How's the puppy doing? He's doing good. So yes, I, I am one of those people who who bought a puppy um, during the this kind of year. He's five months old, and he is now at the point of learning how to bark, which makes all of my Zoom calls even more exciting. So if that does happen today, I rarely apologize. 
Yeah, well, I think we've got a lot of dog listeners, dog lovers that are listeners. So I'm sure they'll 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 forgive us if we get a dog bark in there once in a while. Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the other interesting thing we were talking about the other day is that you are trained to make all these like classic cocktails, which I kind of am envious because I know how to make a few. But where did you learn how to do all that? Yeah, you know, I would call it, you know, a, a survival mechanism at this point. So uh, when I was working at my previous company, which is a Campari, you do sales visits, you go out to markets, you get to know the, the local restaurants, the local stores. And I was out with uh, my former coworker in Northern Florida. I shall not go any more detail on that, just in case he ever listens to this. But uh, he had promised to introduce me to a local bar owner just as a learn about the business. I walk in there and he had actually set up a cocktail demonstration with one of our brands. So imagine walking in and there's like 40 staff members that they had brought in just for this training. And it's me. <laughs> I'm not some famous bartender who knows how to do things. I'm literally, I'm a marketer. So I am standing there behind the bar. All of these teammates are sitting there with like notes ready to go, ready to taste. There's no ingredients. There's no like guidances of what I'm supposed to do. So you kind of frantically like grabbing a shaker and grabbing some ice and trying to figure it out. All the while my my sales colleague is standing there at the side with a bar owner basically heckling me. So after that I walked out of there. I had a good drink which I made him buy me. But then after that I kind of realized that I was never going to have that happen to me again. So I went and ensured that I learned the basics of classic cocktails. So all I can say it was a it was a necessary experience. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many expletives that I would like to scream at the microphone. I mean, like that's a horrible experience. <laughs> was it a typical thing? I would not say it was typical. It was definitely like a little bit of a horror story that we passed around the office. And then any marketer who went to Northern Florida kind of prepped in their head before they did it. But, you know, in the end of the day, I, I, I always look back at it and laugh, which I think is the best way to think of an experience. And if that's what drove me to understand how to make classic cocktails, then you know what? I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background. And I know you're currently at Anheuser-Busch. So I want to hear a little bit about like what you were doing before. We talked about you just highlighted your experience at Campari what your role is now and, and what's the scope of responsibilities you have? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, so I've always in my career been in consumer facing products. So mainly in the spirits category, I started my career at Pernod Ricard, jumped over to Diageo. And then uh, actually that was, those were both in Eastern Europe. And then I came over to the US, uh, worked at Bacardi. And then for the last five years previously, it was at Campari Group managing some really fun brands, uh, including Aperol, Campari, the namesake, and Grand Marnier. Currently, I'm the VP of Beyond Beer at Anheuser-Busch, which per the title is basically anything beyond beer. So from non-alc to spirits to wine to flavored malt beverages and spiked seltzers, which everyone knows, that's kind of in my purview for now. And I love that because with every different category, I get to think differently in terms of the consumer. Got it. I mean, you've got this huge portfolio, like all those things you just listed off. I mean, they're all different categories or subcategories within categories. Like how how do you approach even thinking about or managing that portfolio? And Yeah, and I, you're right. It is a lot of it's a lot of categories. I think at the end of the day, it's about the consumer and consumer first. So in all of these categories, 
we know what's happening in terms of what consumers want. And what we look and say is, okay, as a company, what are our priorities within each of it? So for instance, in spirits, our core focus right now is ready to drink cocktails, which you know is like exploding this year. And we have a brand called Cutwater that, that's on the forefront of that. So for me in that segment, it's like thinking about the consumer, what are they looking for in the moment that they choose like a, a canned cocktail versus buying the three bottle ingredients to make that drink. And then I get to flip over and say, okay, well, what's the solution in non-alc right now? And our focus there is more around the energy segment, such as highball. So I think I get really excited about the fact that I get to learn so much about so many different consumers and what's driving them to make their purchase behavior. Are there any like tips that you're, or advice you're giving your team? Like, I mean, I can only imagine you're like, staff meetings, if you will, uh, pardon the old reference, but like every category, each each person on the team may be representing a different category. And how do you give them advice on how to think about that, I guess? I mean, obviously the consumer, like you said, starts at the beginning, but just wondering if there's common frameworks that you use. No, there is. So we do talk a lot about when the consumer and also the occasions that we're trying to win in. In some situations, the core consumer target may be the same between a hard seltzer and like a ready to drink cocktail. It's just the occasion is different when they choose it. So for instance, lighter, refreshing, low calorie, or are you going for something that's maybe a little bit higher ABV, more spiritous, more flavor? So I think what I always tell my team is one, for your specific group, for your category, know your consumer in and out and put them front and forward. At the same time, the reason why we have what you're calling the staff meetings, which I've actually never used, but when you're doing that, the whole goal is to share, right? So they should actually in that moment sit down and say, okay, well, what is my counterpart doing that I can learn from that may be a great cross-merchandising opportunity or a a program we could go in together. But at the end of the day, what I tell my teams is they are their owner, the owner of their business. They know what the consumer wants. So if they're managing five brands within one space, what's the brand that's going to have the most impact right now? And that's the one they need to prioritize because otherwise you're right, we'd be way too busy. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Well, or potentially, I mean, you know, if you don't have that consumer lens, you might be stepping on each other eventually. Oh, all the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, well, you mentioned one example of a category that's growing leaps and bounds, you know, the ready to drink cocktails. But maybe let's talk about innovation in general and broad brush at Beyond Beer and within your organization. What examples can you share about like what type of innovation you're tracking, you know, what's driving the innovation, et cetera? Yeah. So I think, you know, the way that we look at it and and we look at it by category and then across the board, I mean, in the beginning, yes, we do kind of the business opportunity exercise, right? You look at what's growing, what are the sizes and flavors growing within that category or driving growth. But then once we identify kind of those business opportunities, we then say, okay, well, what is happening with the consumer that's driving that growth? So for instance, flavored malt beverages can be many things. It can be the hard seltzers that that are growing quite a bit. They can be traditional sweet FMB. They could also be complex FMB, like a chalada. Actually, all three categories are growing, but all of them are growing for a different reason or a different occasion. So you have to kind of delve one step deeper and say, okay, well, who's driving that growth and how do we create the right brand and product for them? The traditional sweet FMB drinker doesn't really think about calories too much. They want the flavor. They want to enjoy that juiciness. Like if you think about a lemonade, whereas if you're thinking about a uh, spiked seltzer drinker, they enjoy the flavor still, but for them, the stats are critical and they want refreshment 
more than they want flavor in some cases. So it's like, how do you create an innovation that really fits the needs and the wants of the consumer in the different moments? I'm envisioning, I don't know if this is any, in any way accurate, but I'm envisioning this like huge thing on the wall that's like occasions throughout the day or, you know, day and night, I should say, how that maps up to what your portfolio is is delivering against today. Potentially there's white spaces in that. And then you're constantly refreshing that with you know, the market stats on what's growing, what's declining, et cetera. Oh, 100%. We definitely have like, it's like a vision board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. what we want to achieve. And then there's the vision board of everything happening and how that affects it. But yeah, where we're constantly looking at, you know, what's the what's the big bet on innovation for the next year or the next two years? And then we're also looking at, well, what do we want to be ready for in three or four? So we're, we're always looking at the short and the long-term goals. How do you even begin to get, like, get ahead or, or stay ahead of those latest trends? We try our best. I'm not going to say, you know, we're, we're perfect, but I, I will say the company's done an amazing job. And within the structure of the company, we have this ability to do large scale innovations, but then we have an innovation team called Apollo. And their whole goal is to really identify what I would call the future trends. And then we create kind of these small market tests to really understand, you know, what did this connect with the consumer or did we just completely create something that's just too new to the market and not ready yet? So in these ways, we're able to say, okay, here's the surefire innovation that we know will be big next year and we'll go big right away. And then there's the projects that we kind of like, you know, almost like can't hold and we test small and we really see if we can connect to the consumer. And then it's something that's almost ready to go when when the consumer is ready for it, maybe a year or two later. Got it. And so like, help me conceptualize, like what a small test looks like? Is it something batched in the lab? Is it? So, yeah. So it's still something that we would, uh, we wouldn't do batching in a lab. It would still definitely be something we're brewing in, in the full tanks. But I think the difference is I might have a brand that is so specific that I only want to test it in Santa Monica, not Los Angeles, but literally Santa Monica. And I am going to go to the wholesaler that has that smaller region and we're going to basically create a test and execute only in Santa Monica for four months and sell the product and activate the product and see what happens and learn. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's like the definition of like a startup inside of a big company. How many of those things would you say you might end up doing over the course of a, a year? Maybe and maybe that's the wrong time horizon. I should not be thinking about, but like, I'm just curious. Yeah. So I will tell you, and I'm very thankful to my innovation team who is so patient with us because we have so many crazy ideas. But so next year alone, I think we're doing about four or five tests of smaller things plus launching big things. So for me, it's like that team just works around the clock to really just create the future for us. And and I will say, you know, having worked in the industry for a long time, our um, liquid development and brewing teams are, pro- are some of the best that I've ever worked with. Like you can imagine something and they will create it. <laughs> Sounds like a dream come true. It is. I will say the only tough part is when I do get the samples from the lab and I live in a fifth floor walk up. So my husband has to carry like 20 to 30 bottles every week up the stairs. That's probably the only tough part about this job. That's it. You can cancel the gym membership. You're, you're, because <laughs> liquids, I don't know if it's like water, it's like eight pounds a gallon or something like that. I can only imagine. It's definitely quite a bit. And he definitely um, gives me some side eye every time he brings over four or five boxes. So, yeah, the company might owe him a little bit in the future. <laughs> yeah. He didn't realize that he was getting a, a gym membership as a side no, benefit. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, he did not. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> cool. Well, having a, a background as you do in liquor, I think when I hear people talk about brands, liquor in particular, it's always this connotation that it's highly emotional marketing. How does one, I guess, do you agree with that? And then two, how does that translate as you think about expanding marketing across all the various categories that you have? And, and does it translate all the way to the things that you would buy at a grocery shelf, if you will, like in a ready to drink format? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. A hundred percent on the the emotional piece. I think when I think of spirits marketing and alcohol marketing, in a way, the most powerful brands are the ones that make you feel something. And that doesn't mean it's always kind of, you know, aspirational and like, oh my God, this is so beautiful, but you react to it. I would say it's very similar for the space or any space. At the end of the day, the goal of all of these brands, whether it's ready to drink and in a can on the shelf to an amazing, you know, product that we have, such as, you know, Stella that's in a bottle in the on-premise to the spirits world. One of the things that you have to think about is, and our goal is, when a consumer walks to the bar, they are proud to order it. They are proud to tell their friends about it. And that is a common goal across the board. And in order for a brand to achieve that, it has to connect with you. And connection can be different, right? So for instance, with Bon Viv, our goal was we had a great liquid, but the consumer didn't feel very proud with you know the packaging and some of the elements of the brand. So we did a lot of consumer work and, and we relaunched the brand in a way that felt much more premium, much more sophisticated, much more of what they would want to see from us. And what you'll see is, well, now that we've launched, the amount of times that the brand is Instagrammed and we're tagged is doubling and tripling in scale all the time because consumers are now proud to show off this brand that they really enjoy and love. And that's on one side. When you also think about a brand that we have in the portfolio that I love, which is Natty, if you think about Natty, Natty is just pure comedy, joy, and happiness for their consumer target. They don't take themselves too serious. They're not trying to be this ultra health brand. They're not trying to be the most elevated premium brands, but they know their target and they know what their target wants. Like I think they're, um, I'm sure you've seen some of the the ads that they're doing. It just completely, it makes you smile every time you see it. And I think that's the most powerful thing you can do. And they talk about that with their consumers. Their consumers love the brand so much. They will send them videos, like user generated content of, they train their dog to bring them a natty. They have parties with their friends and it's all about the natty experience. That's what you want as a marketer, no matter what you're trying to sell. Uh, and for, for those old, old fogies like myself, when you say natty, you're talking natty light, right? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You couldn't talk about two very different brands between Bon Viv and, and Natty. I think those 
they're by definition maybe on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, but at the same time, to that point, they're both trying to achieve the same things, connect with their consumer and get a reaction. Well, and sadly, I I don't know, sadly is not the right word, but I could see myself drinking both, like at very different occasions, to your point. <laughs> In the corporate crowd, I might bring a Bon Viv and with my buddies from uh from concord north carolina might hang out with some natty light well there you go <laughs> see we did the job <laughs> it's exactly exactly i'm curious i mean you talked about bon viv you talked about you know things you're doing or the company overall is doing with natty are there any favorite launches that you've had in recent history or any any of the examples from the portfolio you want you're like you got to know about this if you haven't heard about this product just curious if you have anything like that you want to share. So there's a, I mean, there's a couple of things I'm very proud of. I will say there's things coming up that I'm more, even more excited about, but we're going to, maybe we'll talk another time soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have you back on. We'll have you back on to talk about yeah. this. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Social Club is something that was really interesting for me. It's a, it's a spiked seltzer that's basically inspired by cocktail flavors. So a sidecar, an old fashioned, and a citrus gimlet. And the whole goal of the the brand was to try to to almost like challenge the standards that have been created. Because we, we realized there was a consumer target that was 30 plus men, specifically multicultural, that just really didn't feel like the category was for them. And they also wanted more flavors and more sophistication from the segment. It goes back to that idea of proud to hold and proud to order. And they weren't excited about what was in the category. So we kind of tried to challenge it and really flip everything on its head with Social Club. And in order to launch it, we decided to really zero in on the target. So we really only speak about, you know, the complexity of the flavors. We talk to the consumer about the entrepreneurial spirit because for men in their 30s, and we look at a psychographic that's very much, you know, that entrepreneur, the one who always wants to achieve more and has more. We talk about the guy who probably has a, an evening job at the end of his day job because his dream is to, to create an agency or do something that he can't do in his daily life. So our whole approach is to celebrate them and everything that we do. We do samplings at basically, you know, we and startup spaces where possible nowadays, but we do a lot more in social. We created a, a club of basically creative freelancers who are looking for work in this time. And we brought them together into a virtual club and helped them find either work with us or with other brands in the company. So again, it's always thinking consumer first, but also thinking a little bit differently in a category that everyone kind of pigeonholed into one segment. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's interesting. Well, I need to check that out, frankly, because um, the one thing I, I miss from the Spike Seltzers, because I've had them, is that the flavors, there's not enough flavor for me, maybe. Yeah. The old fashioned is delicious. Okay. Now you're speaking my language. Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, besides filling up my refrigerator <laughs> in this conversation, how's the business changed or the dynamics of the business changed through the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, it's changed a lot. I would say it's probably changed four or five times and it will continue to change. I think a lot of what we've talked about is to that point of consumer first. This isn't a moment that anyone could have planned for. You know, I, I tell my team, we've done five business plans this year. Last year's plan for this year, you maybe you'll, you'll use in a couple of years. But right now it's about really ensuring you're understanding how your consumer is feeling. And then how do you speak to them in those moments? So for instance, uh, going back to, to Bon Viv or even Cutwater, we can talk about both brands had, you know, these really interesting, amazing campaigns that we were about to shoot, but nobody wanted to see us in a bar or in a busy brunch location in a video because that wasn't relevant to what was happening in the world. 
So it was about how do you pivot? So for instance, in Bon Viv, we were working with our creative partners, Priyanka, Chopra, Jonas, and we literally over the weekend had calls to say, you know, right now, the most important thing is to celebrate the women who are on the front line versus talking about ourselves. So we came up with a partnership where we basically did a, a program called Together Women Rise, and it was on her Instagram live. And we basically would have our followers across the country submit videos and stories of the women in their life that they want to celebrate who are doing amazing things in the middle of all of the challenges of the pandemic. And um, we would then give away some funding to these women. But more importantly, what they really cared about was the recognition. So each week we would recognize uh, a few women. There was a couple of times where people just started crying because these women had such amazing stories. There was one woman in New York who was, a, who was one of the last segments and she was a, she's a frontline nurse, gave up being with her family because she, she had to quarantine every time she wasn't working. And it was a very hard life. And yet she was standing there on camera smiling like crazy, just excited that someone was recognizing her. And I thought that was just an amazing thing. I mean, I definitely was like tearing up and texting my team, like, can we just send her a lifetime supply product, please? But I think it's, you have to connect to what's happening. And we evolved after that. We went from that to doing brunch moments. And we realized that was a really thing for our Bonviv target. You know, when you speak to women, a lot of times it's not about going out to a nightclub anymore on a, on a Saturday. Your best moment with your friends is probably over brunch. And you can't really do that anymore in the world today. And what we want to do is kind of help bring some of that back. So we created brunch kits that you could order or send to a friend. It came with, you know, Drizzly code for Bonviv. But also as part of it, we were using local businesses to supply the brunch kits. So it also felt connected wherever you were. But our hope is just to make people happy or smile a little because at the end of the day, that's what mattered. Yeah, no, those are great examples. Not only how you had to pivot marketing and try to figure out new ways to reach your audience through your influencers, et cetera, to just the experiences that you can create. Because I can only imagine, I mean, sampling must be a traditionally huge component of your marketing mix that has become increasingly challenged to achieve that given what's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, for us, safety first, right? So yeah, there is no traditional sampling that we could do. What we've done quite a bit of is one, obviously a lot more in digital in terms of e-commerce. We, we get the samples to our consumer in a safe way. Some other things we've done is to the point of social club, we wouldn't do physical interactions with consumers, but as businesses or certain businesses were opening up, we would donate the product in locations that we knew either with charities or other places where consumers could have the drink experience, but it wasn't a direct interaction. So we did quite a bit of like influencer kit send outs. And again, if someone DM'd us, we would figure out a way to help them try the product. Nice. Well, it's amazing, you know, just looking at like the scope of what you're doing, the innovation, the types of trends that you're you're on top of and trying to manage and, and stay in front of, I guess. Any tips for other marketers like in fast moving categories like and trend driven categories, I would imagine like yours. Anything you, you think, hey, you know, marketers over in the CPG world, <laughs> the traditional CPG world, they should be thinking they could use these couple of tools that I've used over here. Anything come to mind? Yeah. I think if there's the biggest thing that I could I could say to anyone, I say it to my team quite a bit, don't be afraid to pivot. Mm. I know that, you know, the teams, you put a lot of work in. Everyone puts a lot of work into these plans. 
But as the world evolves, if something doesn't feel right because it's, it's not the same as it was even two weeks before, don't be afraid to stop and say, how do I change this? Or how do I make it better? Because the thing is, in that moment, you might actually come up with something even more brilliant. So I would just always say, keep an ear out, look for what's going on with the consumers, ask your friends or coworkers for input. But at the end of the day, yeah, don't worry about that slide that you presented that, that kind of you thought locked you in. You can always pivot. Got it. Well, let's switch gears. One of the things we love to do on this show is to turn the table a little bit, take the corporate job off the table and learn a little bit about you. And my favorite question, frankly, to ask is, <laughs> is there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah, I think, you know, the best one that I can put forward is so when I was graduating college, I had this moment of like, do I go to New York? I was in DC at the time. Do I go to New York? And, and I had an internship lined up and kind of start my career path that way. I had an opportunity to go to LA. But as I was sitting there and thinking about it, one thing for me is I was born in, in Russia and in Moscow, but I had never really been. In fact, my, my father who still lives there makes fun of me for my very horrible American accent when I speak Russian. He kind of cringes when we talk on Zoom. And I decided in that moment that maybe this would be the opportunity for me to go back. So I, without any real job prospect or anything, I packed up my suitcases, kind of sold my stuff that I had, and I jumped on a plane and I, I went to Russia. And because I realized if I didn't do it then, who knows when I would do it. And it was a great experience. I actually got my first spirits job, which uh, was at Pernod. I got to travel around Europe and just learn about different cultures. I got to recognize my own culture and understand, you know, where did I come from and get closer to some of my family members. So that experience for me was immeasurable, but also it helps me with that now is that if someone told me to jump on a plane tomorrow and move to Shanghai, I do it because I know that I could. So I think, you know, anytime that there's a change in front of me, that experience helped me realize that I can face it. So that that's a big one for me. I love that. I love that experience and the example. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over again? Celebrate the wins more. I think especially if you're ambitious, which I think I've never met a marketer who isn't, to be quite honest. <laughs> I think sometimes we're always striving for the next or like almost looking at that KPI and what did we do with the data and did we succeed? And sometimes you forget to stop and say, look at what I've accomplished. I try to do that for my own team sometimes of like, they're already dissecting what they did wrong so they can optimize it. And I literally make them stop and say, guys, you just launched a brand campaign that is getting hundreds of thousands and actually in the future was millions of impressions over something you created over the weekend and wrote the copy yourself. Like step back and recognize that you just did something amazing. And it was the Together Women Rise campaign. And you were basically the agency, the legal team, and the creative director at the same time. KPIs are great, but sometimes you got to celebrate just the amazing things that people accomplish that they almost forget to recognize. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. And what a great example. I mean, that's a huge result for that team too. Yeah. And I, I always remind them to be proud of those moments because again, it's that's what counts. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this next question is kind of silly, but frankly, I've used it to fill my pantry with different products and tools in the kitchen to new books I should read. But I'm curious if there's been an impactful purchase of say $100 or less 
in the last six to 12 months that you've made? So I would say, and this is not my first time purchasing it. I just, I think we went a little overboard in the household. We are a Google home household and uh, I bought every, I've basically now turned every screen with Chrome into one control center, including also buying the Philips Hughes lights for everything. So I am one of those who says hey google for everything and i really love it and it just makes life a little bit easier oh now since i'm talking to you on a chrome google is responding to me so there we go i was just i was just thinking that as soon as you said hey google everything was going to start talking to you back (laughs) yeah so um i would say that for me i know it's not the most amazing exciting thing and i'm sorry i would not suggest putting it in your fridge but it does help with the ease of life, even though when the power goes out, then you're kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, no, I've, I've got two Google Homes in my house and um, strategic locations, but I've been thinking about adding some other home automation stuff. So the, the lighting one in particular, there's one lamp in my house that I hate going over to turn on. I would love, much rather just yell out to turn it on. <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's, it's a game changer. It, it makes you just a little more lazy than you really want to admit to, but it's a game changer. <laughs> exactly. Well, a couple last questions for you. There's two questions left. Curious, you know, as marketers, we tend to be kind of observant as to what's going on around us. Are there any brands, companies, or causes that you are taking notice of or you think other people should? Yeah, I mean, there there's a couple. I think there's many things that are happening in the world today. I think one of the biggest things that we all talk about this year and you could not talk about is obviously um, Black Lives Matter and the importance of the cause. And one of the things that, that we have done a lot is to say, how do you make impactful change and how do you address it? But at the same time, how do you do it in a way that's right for everyone in the team? So from educating to supporting Black artists, Black authors, how do you support the business in a way that helps them shine? How do you make changes in your team for the future? So it's not something where there's an easy one-step solution, but it's something that for me is such an important part of who we are and what we should be doing differently and how we need to act together. That would be the one that I would say is bar none. It's so critical. It's a great one. A great cause and, and effort to point out. And it ripples to your point that you're making, like it really ripples through everything, the work environment, the, your personal life and the choices you've made. Yeah. It's all encompassing. Well, the, Last question for you is, as a marketer, what do you feel like is the biggest opportunity or the largest threat that are facing marketers today? I think it's one that honestly is something that's almost a constant, which is don't be afraid of change. I think you see marketers, you see agencies, you see businesses that that want to stick to what was and they refuse to open their eyes and say, okay, I need to evolve because maybe what they were doing was easy and they have a routine. I think that's the biggest threat to a marketer is if you kind of put your blinders on and say, I'm going to keep going the way I used to, because you know the, the world is changing. You have to look at what is the future normal? How do we continue to evolve with our consumers? Because if you don't evolve with the consumer, you're going to get left behind. They're not going to find you relevant anymore. You're not going to connect to them. So I think that's the biggest threat that you could have. Well, Lana, it's been great having you on. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yes, thank you for having yeah, me. I look, look forward to talking to you again in the future. I would love it. We'll, we'll have many other topics, I'm sure. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. 
Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.